Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. He says, whosoever believeth and has decided to trust in him as personal Lord and Savior is not condemned for this one, for this one, there is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation. So if you have trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, get it through your thick skull or thin skull, whichever one applies to you. Get it in your head that you will never be judged. Say with me, I will never be judged. I will never be rejected. I will never be condemned. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. We thank you guys so very much, you guys and gals, for joining us for today's broadcast. We know it's going to be a rich blessing uh, for you, and we thank you so much for tuning in. I want to take the time, too, to thank you so much for your prayers, your phone calls, your emails, and for your financial gifts and supports uh, of the ministry. A little bit goes a long way, and we thank you so much for helping us to continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world. Remember to do that, just go to our website at kingdomrock.org, kingdomrock.org, and you can give your best gift today. Thank you all so much. All right, everybody, we're going to uh, continue in the message that we have been in. I don't want to say series, Ralph, I don't want to say series, but here we are again. Last week, we were talking about forever forgiven, forever forgiven, and if I would title today's I think I would title today's, and I pray that we get to it, um, the flood of blood. The flood of blood. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? The flood of blood. All right, let's go back to Acts, Acts 13. Acts 13 tells us about the message that the apostles preached. Acts 13, verses 38 uh, through 39, it says this. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Through Jesus is preached the forgiveness of sins. Verse 39, and by him all that believe are justified from how many things? All things. Justified means declared righteous. Declared righteous. Declared just in the presence of God. It says, by him and by him, all that believe are justified from all things uh, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. All right, for more on that, let's go back to the um, messages before this. Now, last week we talked about condemnation. Condemnation meaning a, a sentence of guilt or a damnable sentence. That means game over, game over. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, and then we're going to go back into the high priestly ministry of the Lord Jesus, because you've got to get this. This is so powerful. Let's go to John, the eighth chapter, John, the eighth chapter. And before we get to John, the eighth chapter, let me tell you a story. Um, there were two, really, no, there, there was a gang of of young boys. They were about seven and some eight, some nine. 
and they had their little bicycles and they were bad to the bone, bad to the bone. And they would go through their community, little bad little boys. You know, so they ride up and down the road in their communities. And uh, there were two houses in this community. And it was like an old abandoned subdivision. Well, uh, there were, all the houses were just about identical in that subdivision, looked, looked the same. There were two houses that were right side by side, looked the same, same yards, all of that. All right. So one of the houses had a sign outside of it that says that said, don't throw rocks and break the glass. Don't throw rocks and break the glass. The other house looked just the same, had just as much glass as the other house, but it had, didn't have any sign out front of it. Didn't sign, have any sign. So as the kids were going down the road, they noticed that sign that says, don't throw rocks and break the glass. You know what they did? They threw rocks and broke the glass. But the other house, they left alone. They didn't mess with it. They had no desire to throw rocks at that house. Matter of fact, they didn't have a desire to throw rocks at all until they saw the law. And when they saw it written, don't do it, that aroused in them the desire to do it. So they threw rocks at the house. They broke all the glass. They laughed and they went home. Pretty sad story. Some little bad baby kids. Let's go on now. Uh, John 8. Told you that story for a reason. Let's look at John 8 now. John 8 verses 1 through 12. Very familiar text of scripture. I want to show you this. Jesus uh, went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had sat her in the midst. Uh, well, let's, let's go back for a second. Verse 3. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst. Verse 4. They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. All right, there's a whole lot to say about that. Verse 5, now Moses in the law. Remember, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Right? Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what says thou? Stop there for a second. Moses said that we ought to stone her. But what do you say? Now, remember the law of Moses. The law was written. You can see that on the screens. The law of the Ten Commandments were written on stone, written with the finger of God on stone tablets. So in essence, they were saying Moses commanded us to stone her or throw the law at her. And kill her. Right? So in their view, under the law, in order to purge sin or to cleanse sin, I had to kill you. That would take the sin out of Israel. To throw the stones at you. To throw law at you. And this is what pretty much we do today in many modern day churches. 
if someone's in sin in church, or let's say there's someone committing adultery in the church, well, then let's try to, we ought to preach against adultery in the church. If someone is uh, lying, well, then we ought to preach about lying so they will stop lying. We need to give them what the Bible says, give them the law so that they will stop doing it. But actually what you're doing is strengthening the sin. The Bible says that the strength of sin is the law. Just like those little boys riding down the road. The more you, more you told them not to do it, the more they want to do it. The more you want to do it. Now remember, the law was designed to show you your inadequacies and failures. It was to show you that you could not be good without a savior. And so the Bible says, again, he says, Moses, again, this is what the law prescribes to get sin away. The law prescribes death. The law was condemnation and death. Condemnation, guilt, death. That's what the law brings. All right. So it is in verse number five. Now, Moses in the law uh, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what says thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now, again, they just brought up the law of Moses and the law of Moses was written by the finger of God on stone. Now, here is the son of God, God in the flesh, writing again with his finger on the ground. He's writing a new law. The law of grace. And what he's writing, he's about to stand up and reveal. This is how you put away sin from among the people. Let's look at this. Verse 6 says again, This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Verse 7, so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Verse eight. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience. We'll look at that further, too. They which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman and the woman standing in the midst. Verse 10. Uh, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw no one but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are thine? Why, where are those thine accusers? Have no man condemned thee. She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Oh, that's powerful. Remember, the law said, if you did it, you must die. This is how you purge the sin from among the people. Death. Death. That's how you're going to purge it. But Jesus said, he who's without sin cast the first stone at her. Look at this. So the ones that wanted to throw stones at her could not because they had sin in their lives. But the one who was sinless 
would not throw stones at her. That's so powerful. How did Jesus purge sin out of her life? He told her, no condemnation. He said, where are your accusers? Has no one been, is no one here left to accuse you? No, no one. He said, I don't condemn you either. No condemnation. Now, go sin no more. In other words, grab a hold of this. No condemnation was a gift. That was grace. He removed that sin from her life through an act of grace. Now, look at it on her end. She knew that she was just about to die. Stoning is a very painful death. I've never done it before. I've never actually seen somebody get stoned to death. But I would imagine I've, I've gotten hit by I, I've been hit by baseball once and that hurt. That hurt. But people throwing big rocks at you until you are dead. I would imagine that that hurts a whole lot. This woman knew that it was, in fact, the law that she should die. So when Jesus intervened and became her hero, she left that place Excited, I'm sure, and grateful, grateful for what he had done. He, in essence, saved her life. Now, do you think she's going out now from his presence wondering, I wonder who I can sleep with now. I wonder who I can sleep with now. Who you look fine. I wonder who I can sleep with now. No, I believe she's going out of his presence grateful and joyful for what Jesus has done for her, realizing that he, that uh, that that uh, Jesus saved her life and because of his grace that she's alive at that moment. So he purged the sin out of her life by grace, by his act of kindness, by his unmerited favor. She didn't deserve it and he gave it to her. You see this? This is so powerful. Now, look at verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Grace gives you the power to sin no more. Grace gives light. You want to get the sin out of your life? Focus on the finished work of Jesus. Grace gives you the power to, again, sin no more, and it gives you light. Let's go. Let me show you this about more about this no condemnation thing. You'll find this also in John, the third chapter, John three, verse 17 uh, through 18. Th this time we're going to look at the Amplified Bible online community. I'm so excited I could pop. I'm just so excited. But then we would see a lot of blood everywhere. So it wouldn't be a good thing. But let's go back. John, the third chapter, verse number 17 through 18 of the Amplified Bible. Listen to how it reads here, okay? It says, For God did not send his son into the world to into the world to judge and condemn the world. Wow. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world. That is to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that the world that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, here's your power verse here coming. It says, whosoever believeth and has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged for that one, for that one, there is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation. Isn't that wonderful? 
Now, we're going to continue reading this in a second, but understand this. That is always a present now. Because you put your faith in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you've chosen to trust in him. You will never be rejected by God. I'm going to kick that. You will never be rejected by God. Never be rejected by God. Now, man has his own things. I don't know about man, but by God. And only God's opinion really matters about you. Hallelujah. He is a judge. He's the, key. He's the one who has the keys to hell, to death, and the grave. He has the key to heaven. Your coworkers, your, your classmates don't have it. God does. And the Bible says that those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, mm, he says, you will never be rejected by God. You will never be condemned by God. Now, as we said last week, here comes that old devil. You do something wrong and that old devil comes to you and, and really that devil uses your conscience to condemn you. That conscience is that, is that inner, is that inner witness that the Lord gives to everybody. Whether you're saved or unsaved, everyone has a conscience, which leads you either which which try to which leads you into doing something right or doing something wrong. As a matter of fact, with a guilty conscience, we'll see this with a guilty conscience. You really can't serve God when you have a guilty conscience. When you know you've done something wrong, you can't serve him. But the blood of Jesus was given to purge your conscience. To purify your conscience, the Bible says, from, from dead works or from sinful deeds. The blood of Jesus was shed on your behalf to purify, to cleanse your conscience so that you can truly serve the Lord. Hallelujah. God thought about everything. <laughs> he doesn't want you just to serve with your hands, serve outwardly. He wants all of you. He wants your heart as well. If we go back to the example we talked about just a moment ago with the Lord, um, with the woman caught in adultery, you see there, as Jesus told the men, uh, Jesus told the men there, he said, Who, he who's without sin, I want you to cast the first stone at her. They couldn't because their conscience condemned them. They said, I can't throw a stone at her because I'm in sin. They had a guilty conscience, and so they dropped the rocks. Now, from their perspective, they thought they were serving God by trying to kill Jesus. Now, they were serving God, but not God, the Lord, the Father of Jesus Christ. They were serving the devil, right? But from their, but from their point of view, they could not do the will of God because they had a guilty conscience. You got it? Neither can we serve the Lord having a guilty conscience. You're not going to take communion or receive communion having a guilty conscience. You're not even want to come to church having a guilty conscience. You're not even want to pray. You're not going to do anything having a guilty conscience. But Jesus came, and I pray today we'll get to it. Jesus came to purify your conscience so that you can serve the living God. Glory to God. And one of the ways he does this is to assure you that you will never be judged Never be rejected by God, that you will never be condemned. Glory to God. That's powerful. Going back to verse 18, it says again, um, it says, Whosoever believeth 
and has decided to trust in him as personal Lord and Savior is not condemned for this one, for this one, there is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation. So if you have trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, get it through your thick skull or thin skull, whichever one applies to you. Get it in your head that you will never be judged. Say with me, I will never be judged. I will never be rejected. I will never be condemned. Woo! Now kick your leg out. Woo! My God, that's good news. It says, but the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal Savior and Lord is judged already. That one has been convicted and sentenced because he has not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only begotten Son of God, the one who is truly unique, the only one of his kind, the one who alone can save him. All mankind is under condemnation. All mankind, the Bible says that all have sinned and come, in, and come short of the glory of God. Everybody has. All have sinned. What's different between you and them? You have received the forgiveness of God. And because you put your trust in Jesus, you will never be condemned. You will never be judged. Hallelujah. You will never be rejected. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, let's go back to Romans 8. I'm going to try to keep myself in place here. Romans 8. I feel like singing sometimes. Oh, Tamara, what are we going to do? Lord, help me. Romans 8, verse number 1 says this. There is therefore now what? No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now, that's actually what the scripture says. Most translators and Bible scholars say that the, the next phrase was actually added by the Bible translators as if they thought the first part was too good to be true. As a matter of fact, in most Bible and most other Bible translations, you won't find the, the very next, you won't find the second phrase of verse number one. Most will stop right after the right after Jesus. Let's look at it. Let's look at it again. It says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which to them which are in Christ Jesus. It actually stops there. But we can use the second part, too, because the second part says who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Remember, this is not a requirement, but this is also but this is a characteristic. Those who have. No condemnation. In other words, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, you will walk after the spirit and not the flesh. That's what you do. Dogs bark. Cats meow. Apple trees produce apples. It's just what you do. And praise is what I do. It's just what you do. Because you belong to Jesus, you will not be condemned. And because you belong to Jesus, you will walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Your goal is to please the Lord and you want to please him. Glory to God. You want to live that life before him. 
I didn't say it was always easy, but through him, you can do this. And I'm so glory. I'm just so grateful that the Lord has given us the opportunity to serve him. Now, last week, we talked about this. Oh, what makes it easy to have intimacy with God? Remember, we talked about receiving Jesus. All right, let's try it again. R-E-C-I before E except after. That doesn't sound right. Let's make that. Let's, uh, let's do that right online community. Just fast forward that part, okay? R-E-C-E-I-V. All right, we talked about how to receive Receiving Christ. All right. Now, we said that there are five different uh, roles that we must receive Jesus. Five different roles, all right? The first one was Jesus as Savior. Number one, Jesus as Savior. S-A-V-I-O-R. The second one was Jesus as Lord Can y'all see that really good? Pretty good? All right. Jesus as Lord. Jesus as King. That's also the same same line there. And really, Jesus Jesus as God, the Son of God. He is God. All right. And then we said the third one is Jesus as High Priest. We're going to look at that today. High Priest. High priest. Fourth one was receiving him as, does somebody remember? That's right. Jesus as friend. We can also say here as well, he is, uh-oh. Elder brother. Jesus as friend and elder brother. And final, fourth, somebody remembers, I mean fifth, somebody remembers that. What was it? Husband. Say, so that doesn't sound right. Jesus has husband? I'm a dude. How are you going to be my husband? Remember, in the body of Christ, there, are no, there is no Jew nor Gentile. There's neither bond nor free nor male nor female. Spiritually, spirit does not have a gender. There's no gender in the spirit. There's only gender in flesh, right? And husband talks about uh, everything that the Lord has is yours. And everything that you have is his. That talks about the deepest intimate connection as Jesus as husband, right? All right. So as we said last time, many people receive Jesus as Savior. Lord, he is the Lamb of God who's taken away my sins. But then they stop here at Number two, saying that now he's my Lord and he's going to tell me what I'm doing wrong or tell me what I'm doing right. He's going to get me when I've done something wrong, right? Or he'll reward me when I've done something right. But they don't receive him as high priest. Most don't know about Jesus as high priest. And because they don't know the intimacy that he brings as high priest and what he's accomplished for you, it's hard to see Jesus as a friend or an elder brother. If you always think he's going to condemn you, because of what you've done bad, it's hard for you to see that. And it's definitely hard for you to have a deep, intimate relationship with him as husband if you're always thinking that he's out to get you. I've done something bad, so now there's a curse over my life because of what I've done wrong. All right? So those are the, not all of the ways to receive Christ. 
but these are five ways that you need to get. Let's go to Hebrews 9. We're going to finally get here today. Hebrews, the ninth chapter, Hebrews 9. Now I'm going to erase this. Hope you got that because I got to draw something else. Those of you that are listening by podcast, uh, get the video as quick as you can. All right. Hebrews 9, verse 11 and 12. We're going to go here for a little while today. Hebrews 9 says this. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, with his own blood, say own blood. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Notice that phrase, uh, once for all time. Hope you can see that once for all time, all time, by the way, think about what time is. That's a good question. What is time, Pastor? Somebody asked me that question. Oh, thank you very much for asking that question. Time is broken into three segments. You're very familiar with these segments. Let's talk about it for a second. Time is broken up into one of somebody knows. Let's see here. Time is broken up into. Past. Present, somebody guess the last one, and future. All right. Time is broken up in three segments, past, present, and future. Jesus, let's look at verse number 12 again. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our uh, redemption forever. I'll say this again. When you gave your life to Jesus and you receive him as your Lord and Savior, he didn't just forgive your past sins. He forgave your past, your present, and your future sins. Once for all time. Now, we're gonna, you're going to see that again and again and again and again in Scripture. That's why we say that you are forever forgiven forever forgiven let's look on now it says the lord uh once for all time and he that he secured our redemption forever in other words jesus said simply i got you i have secured your redemption i have obtained your redemption now what is redemption redemption means a ransoming or deliverance from the penalty of sin he has secured it he has obtained it so that you will never bear the penalty of your sin. The sins first committed uh, by the law. Now, when someone, I, I even preached this one time, thank God for his grace in ignorance. 
When I thought about redemption, I would often think about uh, going to a pawn shop. And you pawn, when you pawn something, you go to redeem it, right? You go to redeem it. That is, you go to buy it back. I heard it say, I heard it say, Lord, you know, I heard people preaching. Oh, the Lord went into ha, the devil's pawn shop ah, and he saw you on the display. Look at you there and you were on that display all crazy looking, looking depressed and worried. And one day Jesus came in to the devil's pawn shop and he had his money, his blood that he shed for you and me and he purchased you back from that old devil no sorry it may sound colorful but it's not true the devil never owned you you were never uh see the thing here about sin is that it was an offense you didn't offend the devil you offended god we offended god and he's redeeming us from the law redeeming us from the penalty of the law no, in other words, the Lord said, I am purchasing you with my blood. And because of what Jesus has done for you with his blood, you will never be rejected by God. You never be judged by God. You never be condemned. He has forever. The Bible says once for all time, he secured your redemption forever. Jesus said, I got it. I got it. You will never be judged. Now, let's look at this. I want to show you this because the Bible says that Jesus went into the most holy place. That is, he appeared before God the Father. Now, I want to show you what he did for you on your behalf. Let's go to the book of Leviticus where all of this is set. I know, I know, Jarvis, we're almost there. Let's go to where, we, where everything is set here. Leviticus 16th chapter. Remember the Old Testament, the, the high priest in the Old Testament uh, God gave them specific instructions on what to do with sacrifices, on what to do with lambs and bulls and goats. All of this would point to what Jesus would do. God gave specific instructions to Moses in how to build the tabernacle, the outer court, the inner court, the, uh, the holies of holies. He gave him specific instructions on how to put things together and where to put different items. Because the, the tabernacle here on earth was a shadow of the real in heaven. He told the high priest, this is what I want you to do to obtain Israel's redemption or to obtain uh, Israel's righteousness, to atone for their sins, to make them right in the sight of God. I want you to hear this. All right, so this is a shadow of what Jesus would do. Aaron here is the high priest in the Old Testament, at least right here. And this is what Jesus would do for us in the presence of God to secure our eternal salvation. Look at um, Leviticus 16 once again, verse number 11. The Bible says here, Aaron will, present, uh, Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with God, rather making them right with the Lord. After he has slaughtered the bull as a sin offering. All right. So Aaron is going to, first of all, he's going to make sure that he's right with God. Now, Jesus had no need to do this because he had no sin in his life, but Aaron had to. Before he could begin his priestly ministries, he had to be pure. That's what this is saying. Jesus, of course, high priest, 
was pure before God so that he could uh, start in the priestly ministry. Look at verse number 12. Verse 12 says, he will fill an incense burner with burning coals from the altar that stands before the Lord. Then he will take two handfuls of fragrant uh, powdered incense and will carry the burner and the incense behind the inner curtain. Verse 13, there in the Lord's presence, he will put the incense on the on the burning coals so that a cloud of incense will rise over the ark's cover, the place of atonement that rests on the ark of the covenant. So, again, there's a lot to say about the ark of the covenant, but this is what we're basically saying here. Aaron had to go and take an incense, an, um, an incense burner, basically. Uh, that's a little little container that that held fire in it. Put it that way, or burning coals. And then he had incense. God said, "I want you to take this into the most holy place where the presence of God is, where the throne of God is. I want you to come over here, uh, right here in front of the in front of the." Um, in front of the ark and I want you to burn those incense so that a cloud of fragrant smell comes up before the Lord's presence where this cloud represented the prayers of the high priest and the prayers of the people they go up as a smoke before the Lord this is one thing that Jesus would do in his high priestly office is that he would intercede for us now, one thing the high priest did also that's not covered here, the high priest would wear a special garment and on his breastplate, he would have the different, he'd have different jewels, 12 different jewels, and every jewel would have the names of the tribes of Israel. So your name is also in there because Jesus was a part of the tribe of Judah. And as you were born again, you became part of that tribe, the tribe of Judah as well. So that would mean that when, when Aaron would enter into the holy place, or when Jesus, in this case, would enter into the holy place, as he's making prayers on your behalf, the Father is seeing your name. He's seeing your name. Jesus is declaring your name before the Father every time he goes to pray. As this smoke of incense burned before the Lord. This is something, again, it's a picture of what Jesus would do. And uh, let's look at this. Uh, the Bible says, again, uh, that if he follows, if Aaron follows these instructions, he will not die. This was a picture of Christ, so the Lord did not want anyone uh, to mess up that picture. Then, verse 14, then he must take some of the blood of the bull, dip his finger in it, and sprinkle it on the east side of the atonement cover. He, he must sprinkle blood seven times with his finger in front of the atonement cover. Now, this is very important that you understand this. So again, Aaron would take the blood, blood of the bull, blood of sacrifice. He would take the blood and he would dip his finger in that blood. And then he would sprinkle it before the presence of God seven times, seven times. Now, what did that symbolize? This is very powerful. As we said earlier, it was the finger of God that wrote on the tablets that made the law. Now, the finger of God, uh, as we talk about Jesus and what he would do for us, because, again, Aaron was an example of what Jesus would be, what Jesus would do. Jesus would take his own blood in the presence of God, the father. He would take his own blood, dip his finger in his own blood and would 
and would sprinkle his blood in the presence of God at the throne of God. He would sprinkle his blood seven times. Seven is a number of completion. It's a number of perfection, meaning it is done. I have obtained their redemption. Uh, he's saying I have forgiven them. They are forgiven seven times as he's sprinkling his own blood in the presence of God. They are redeemed. They are healed. They are delivered. There's no condemnation for them. Remember what the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins so Jesus takes his own blood before God in heaven and he sprinkles it right there before the throne of God and in doing that he has secured your redemption forever Every place that blood splattered before the presence of God, it was on your behalf and my behalf. And the father had no choice but to see you and to, and to see me and to hear your name and to hear the Lord saying that Linda is forever forgiven. Tia is forever forgiven. John is forever forgiven. Every time he sprinkled his blood before God, the father had to agree they will never be condemned. They will never never be judged they will never be rejected never Jesus took his own blood before the throne of God and did it on your behalf oh that's just wonderful let's look at a couple more then we're going to close out today um, Hebrews 9 verse 13 says under the old system the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify your, will purify our what? Conscience from dead works, or rather from uh, sinful deeds. Why? So that we can worship the living God. Spoke about that earlier, didn't we? The blood of Jesus purifies your conscience. So if you say, I have a guilty conscience, you don't know what, what I did last night. I just feel so bad. I just feel so bad about what I've done. And if that guilt is causing you to turn away from God, you need to understand that Jesus has already purified your conscience. You need to declare the blood of Jesus. I receive the blood of Jesus that purifies my conscience. I receive the blood of Jesus that purifies my conscience. Now the devil, again, has access to your conscience. The Holy Spirit spirit has access to your conscience sure he does to to help you come into right standing with God or to convict you of your righteousness but the devil has access to your conscience too to bring you condemnation but when you declare that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and the blood of Jesus cleanses my conscience and, and cleanses my conscience and assures me that I am right before God instead of turning away from the Lord with guilt you're turning to the Lord Realizing what he has done for you and that how he has made you innocent in the presence of God because of what he has done. Your purging is important for you to have a clean conscience and that is accomplished by the blood of Jesus. Scripture says again that the Lord, verse 14, uh, just think how much more the blood of Christ will uh, purify our conscience from dead works so that we can rather from um, sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God for by the power of the eternal spirit Christ offered himself to God as a 
perfect sacrifice for our sins. Look at that same verse out of the King James Version, because I'm, I want you to hear this, because I've been saying both verses at the same time, really, both versions. Hebrews 9, 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Again, you can't truly serve the Lord with a dead conscience or with a guilty conscience. If you're really a perfectionist and you just really on yourself, how bad I've done this and I've really done this so bad. I've done that so wrong. I've done so much wrong in my life. You need to focus on the high priestly ministry that we talked about, the high priestly ministry of Jesus and what he accomplished for you. Because with his own blood, with his own, his own finger dipped in his own blood in the presence of God, he declared you perfect without flaw. Never be judged, never rejected, never condemned. And when you understand that, you'll understand that your sin does not disqualify you from receiving that. Are you hearing? Don't let the devil put you in some type of restraint. Sin is what you have done, but it is not who you are. And as long as you focus on Christ, remember, grace gives you the power to sin no more. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. His grace gives you the power to sin no more. His blood purges your guilty conscience. He cleanses your conscience so that you can truly serve him. Are you hearing? All right. So again, notice the purging must be there. Now, this is something that Jesus has already done. Not something he will do. He has already done this. The purging is there so that you can truly worship the Lord. You can't truly serve the Lord with a guilty or a defiled conscience. Look at uh, Hebrews 9 verse 15. It says, that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant. The penalty of sin, the penalty of sins is condemnation. It is guilt. It is shame. It is death. It is eternal separation from God. Jesus said, I've taken all that away from you. Never will, be there, never will there be one day, one moment that you're ever condemned or rejected by God if you are in Christ Jesus, because only he has the power to save you. Are you hearing? So don't listen to the voice of the devil. Oh, I'm such a bad person. I've done so much bad, this and that and the other. No, no, no. What does that do? That makes you turn away from God. That makes you want to turn away from God. Turning away from the answer is never going to help you. It's like someone that's, that, uh, that has gotten shot and there's blood coming out of their side. They say, but they say, I can't go to the hospital until I heal myself first. No, you go to the hospital because you are bleeding. You need to go now. You can't fix yourself. Go to those that can fix you. And only Jesus can do that. Now, let's go, and we're going to try to wrap this up. Hebrews 9, Hebrews 9, let's look at verse 16. 
going to do a little bit more reading because I really want you to get this, and I pray that you're getting this. Father in heaven, I pray, help your people to receive this wherever they are. Help your people to receive what Jesus has done. Hebrews 9, verse 16 says, Now when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made, made it is dead. Um, the will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. The blood was applied wherever the blood landed was considered to be holy and sacred and separated unto God. When the blood was went out, when, the, when he applied blood to the altar, to the book, everything, and then he sprinkled the people declaring them holy before God. When the blood of Jesus is applied to your life, God declares you holy. Let's go on a little bit further. It says here in verse number uh, 20. Now, again, you are not declared holy because you haven't sinned. You're declared holy because the blood has been applied to your life. Verse 20 says, then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has uh, made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled both. He sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The blood purifies me. Say, the blood of Jesus purifies me. A little bit longer. Come on with me. We're almost done. I promise you. Verse 23, it says, this is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals remember those animals uh, were a type of christ so to speak what jesus would do jesus would be the lamb of god the the blood of the animals were able to cleanse the people ceremonially but or outwardly but the blood of jesus would cleanse us all eternally um internally and eternally are you with me Look at verse 24. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. Do you see Jesus? I want you to see him entering the presence of God with his own blood for you. For you. The Bible says here in verse number 25, um, and he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would Christ would have to rather Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. Now, look at this very next phrase. 
If you have to, you can tattoo it on the inside of your eyelid so that you never forget it. I wouldn't recommend you doing that really, but you got what I'm saying. This very next phrase, he says, but now, say now, once for what? There's that phrase again. Once for all time, he has appeared at what? End, at the end of the age. To do what? To remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. Now, I'm going to read that same verse out of the King James. It goes like this. Verse 26. For then uh, must he have, or let me start again. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, but now, once in the end of the world have he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now, look at this. I'm going to do another drawing, then we're going to close out. Please stay with me. Online community, I'm telling you. We're going to get through this. Once you see this, this is so powerful. Catch this diagram here. This is what the priest did on the earth. This, is the, this represents a year. A year of sin. This is, represents one, one whole year. All right? The high priest would stand here, and he would, if this represents the, the sin of the people, this is the sin of the people here. Okay? All year long, all year long from January all the way to December. All right? The people sinned. The high priest would stand at the end of the year and he would offer the sacrifice and this sacrifice would cover the sins of the people. When he would sprinkle the blood upon the people and offer the bullock and the, and the uh, two goats, and we can talk about that later, when he would do that, the blood would be applied to the people and God said, all right, you are right with me for this year. He said, I will not see your sin because of the blood that has been applied. Because of the blood that has been applied. Now, the people knew they had sinned. God knew that they had sinned. But the Lord said, I will not judge you because of the sin because I see the blood. The high priest would sprinkle the blood upon the people. And from that moment on for that year. Now, this did nothing for the year that was coming. Because the people would sin again. And the high priest would have to once again stand over here and, and, and offer the sacrifice again, covering the sins of the people with the flood of blood. Are you hearing? This made it possible for God to interact with his people. The people knew that they sinned. God knew that they sinned. But the father would not judge them because when he looked down upon them, he saw the blood. Now, this happened year after year after year, but there was always the next year, and they would have to do this again and again. This would never take away the sin. It only covered the sin. Now, this is what Jesus did for you and I. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Oh, I'm so excited about this. If this represents time, From the beginning of time 
to the end of time. Jesus stands, now this is also our sin. Our sin, the sin of all humanity. Now you were born somewhere in there. I don't know where. Your great-grandmama, great-great-great, somewhere in there. Right? You know, Jesus stood at the end of time. The Bible says at the end of the age. He time traveled, if you will. He stood at the very end of time. And at the very end of time, the Bible says here, let's look at, let's look at it again. In verse 26, the very last part. But now, once for all time, once for all time, right? So maybe here are the, I don't know, the 1700s, 1800s, whatever, and way back, before Christ and after Christ. He stood at the end of time. It says, but now once for all time, for all times, he has appeared at the end of the age. He has appeared, Jesus appeared at the end of the age. And what did he do? To remove sin uh, by his own death as a sacrifice. In other words, at the end of the age, here comes the blood, the blood flood, the flood of blood over all of the age. And his blood completely removed all sin. There is no trace of it. It was not covered like the blood of the animals in the Old Testament. It was not covered. It was completely removed by his blood. So there is a flood of blood that passed throughout all time. For those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, there is no more record of your sin. It has been completely removed, completely taken away. So when you say, I remember what I did, God says, I don't remember what you did. Because the blood has completely taken it away. It did not cover the sin like in the Old Testament. It completely removed the sin. Once for all time. So when the Bible says again that you have been forgiven, past, present, and future, you should say yes and amen. Because Jesus appeared at the end of time, long after you were dead. So your present sins your past sins and future sins are all have all been washed away this is how the father looks at it this is why he can say to you because of Jesus's high priestly ministry this is how he can say to you you are friend this is how he can say to you 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 are my beloved you're my beloved this is how he can say to you I will never reject you because the finger of Christ has been sprinkled from all from before um, from uh from at the end of time, sprinkled in the presence of God, they are righteous, they are justified, they are redeemed. The blood of Jesus, the blood of God himself, sprinkled in the presence of God on your behalf to take away your sins. At the end of time. Now what do we do? Wait, wait a minute. So all my sins are forgiven? Yes. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? Wait, wait, wait. How Do you say that? I, I just thought that when I asked for forgiveness, then I got forgiveness. No, your sins were already forgiven. But when you ask for forgiveness now, you ask not to be forgiven because it's already been accomplished. You ask because you are forgiven. And asking forgiveness and repenting of your sins and confessing of your sins, it helps you. It helps to cleanse your soul. 
It helps to clear your conscience. When you ask the Lord for forgiveness, he's already done it. That's why he's readily there. Yes. That's why with the prodigal son, the father, uh, the Lord Jesus told you how the father reacts. He has his arms open wide. He sees him from a distance and runs to the prodigal son because it's already been done. It's already been done. The father's wanting you to agree with that. And when you agree with the finished work of Jesus, what he has already done on your behalf, and, and if you sin or when you sin, you confess that before God, you repent before him, you ask for forgiveness, not to be forgiven, but because you are forgiven. And that cleanses your soul. It cleanses your conscience from dead works. It cleanses your conscience from, uh, from sinful deeds, as the Bible declares. And it allows you to may remain right there in the presence of God, not turn your back on God because you've done something bad, but it helps you to keep your face forward in the presence of God, loving him and, and honoring him. Because no condemnation will purify your sins, will wash them away. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Grace gives you the power to sin no more. But you must focus on the finished work of Jesus. Once for all time, the Lord did the work. Read it yourself. Once for all time, at the end of the world, at the end of the age, Jesus appeared, appeared with his own blood to testify on your behalf, to speak about you. He talked to God about you. He sprinkled his own blood in the presence of the judge, in the presence of God about you. That's why the Bible says that Jesus has secured your redemption forever. So that you could always have an intimate fellowship with him. Let me tell you, if you believe right, you'll act right. If you believe you're righteous, you'll act righteous. If you believe you're no good, nothing, you'll act just like that, too. Just like that, too. As a man believes in his heart, so is he. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name today for giving us, for giving us your word. Lord, I pray that your word has fallen onto good, fertile ground. And Lord, I pray that it will produce a mighty harvest that will produce much fruit to your glory. Father, I pray that you would continue to give your people the revelation of the flood of blood that you have sent out from the end of time that has washed away their sins and made them perfect in your sight. I thank you, Lord, that you have forever perfected them, forever perfected your people, and now they are being made holy. They're being made mature. They're understanding what you did for them, and their lives are changing. I declare your blessing upon your people this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, let's give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you, and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.